What's going on, everybody? I'm so excited. I've been waiting to do this podcast all week, at least for two days. This podcast is my anthology of the Joker. Now, most people do anthologies where they do some type of story or backstory about characters, but they break down the character himself. But me, I'm not just breaking down the character per se. That's that kind of light overview. But I'm breaking down the actors who play these characters and the time period or the culture that they were representing. So you can see that the character actually reflects that time period. And yes, I'm an old head, I'm an old guy, so therefore I might have a little bit more appreciation. And I said that young people don't, but I might have a little bit more appreciation for certain aspects of this character. Now I love the Joker. I've always loved the Joker. Matter of fact, my first motorcycle after I had an accident, not my fault, but after I had an accident, had it painted and had the Joker colors, had the Joker on my helmet because it's just something about the Joker himself. I think the fact that, and this was, I know I'm all over the place, but I promise you I'll get to the point. This was before the Heath Ledger's Joker, which is a legendary performance is just he took the joker to the next level now i'm not gonna go ahead and say oh it's the greatest taste of sliced bread although it kind of was but i am gonna say it was monumental now let's get into it what's going on everybody this is brian matthews i am your host and this is confections of an ugly black man now i guess i'm just another comic book fan who wants to just add his thoughts and opinions to the comic book super villain dc comics the Joker. Now it's been rehashed over and over again, like I said, but we're gonna touch on the characters and the time periods of the Joker. Because when it's said and done, everybody has a right to their own opinion, no matter how wrong they may be. <laughs> That's right, I said it. That's called audacity, people. It's called audacity. Anyway, so let's jump into it. And if you're not a fan, and you want to listen to me rant and talk about the Joker, please feel free. You might get a, what do you call that? An edification. <laughs> an edification about this Joker that may give you a reason to want to go back and look at the, the different movies that the Joker was in. And I'm not talking about the Joaquin Phyllis Joker. I'm not talking about it. And every time I think about it, I kind of get a bad attitude. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, get away from me, bad attitude guy. Go. This is not that type of part. Maybe you will want to go back and see the Batman movie series, you know, or Batman series of movies. However, just go watch. It's great. Now, as a disclaimer, like I said, I'm not really touching on the Joaquin Phillips and I'm not talking about the animated series. It's been said that the animated series with Luke motherfucking Skywalker, a.k.a. Mark Hamill, potentially is the best or the greatest version of the Joker Ever because he epitomizes the different variations or different versions of the Joker from Caesar Romero all the way to Heath Ledger and sprinkle a little bit of Jared Leto in there. And that's what they're saying, but we're not talking about that. And I'm not taking anything away, no disrespect, Mark. This is about the actual characters and what they brought to the cinematic features, aka the movies, silver screen, everyone call it. now. I just want to make sure that everybody understands this is not 
per se about the Joker and who he is. We will talk about that, but this is about the time period in which he represents. So just getting it out there for the ones who kind of little, kind of they rode the short bus when they were younger, you know, or they bumped their head or they played football, something like that. I played football, so I can say that joke. <laughs> anyway, we're getting into it. Here we go. The Joker is a supervillain and the arch enemy of Batman. He was first introduced in Batman number one, spring of 1940 and has remained consistently popular. The Joker is a master criminal with a clown-like appearance and is considered one of the most infamous criminals within Gotham City. The original comic book Joker was far more violent than his first motion picture depiction of Cesar Romero, which is more not motion picture, but TV. Now in the comic book, his appearance, he portrayed a criminal mastermind who introduced as a psychopath with a warped sadistic sense of humor. The character became Goofy Prankster in the 1950s in response to regulations by the Comic Code Authority. And this is all before returning to his dark roots during the early 1970s. So Cesar Romero's version of the Joker was more of a comic book style as the entire Adam West Batman in the Batman series. We have to consider the potential or the potentiality for the time period he was edgy as it being a clown slash hippie clown. This version of Batman was known for its intentional humor, simplistic morality, aimed at its largely teenage audience. Now pay attention, because we're gonna circle back to that to make all this make sense. And as a side note, I really couldn't understand why Robin, AKA Dick Grayson, was running around in those gosh darn booty shorts. And little green sucky shoot I don't know what that was. Thank God for modern masterpieces and those suits that they got now because, you know what? Dick Grayson, you need an ass whoop running around with them little booty shorts. A little pedophile dream. Not good. Louis Malo, very bad. Now it's hard to say which version of Joker was better. I don't, I don't want to say one Joker was better or worse than the other. I would say it for his particular time period, Cesar Romero, who was a classical actor, who was known for doing romantic movies to embrace this role. And when he embraced it, he made it his own. And once again, for the time period, the prankster style Joker was edgy. He was hip. The clothes that he wore were of that time period that the youth of that I day- I take anything away. Could. Cesar Romero's role as the Joker so far. That time period, I'm going to say <clears throat> he killed it. In 1989, there was a Batman film that featured, and I'm going to say featured because to me, he was a star, Jack Nicholson's version of the Joker. With, and I've heard stories about how Jack Nicholson came to be in that part because he initially turned the role down. They asked Robin Williams. Robin Williams was like, yeah, I got this. Jack said, no. Way to get a load of me. And hence, movie history was made. Now with the mind of Tim Burton, who directed this movie, combined the gothic horror and the animated cartoons, in which you can clearly see as you watch this movie, that even though we're looking at real people, it has a comic animation feel to it. And Tim Burton is known for 
out the box down movies that kind of draw you in and you, you kind of feel what's in his mind and what he's trying to to get you to see and recognize so in this case his genius transformed or i should say with his genius helped jack nicholson transform this joker into another version that stands out amongst i'm going to say just four i'm not going to go into all this this that and the other some people will argue i only acknowledge four so i'm sorry but i'm not now here tim burton creates an economy between cedar romero and jack nicholson's version of the joker in jack nicholson version of the joker he was called jack napier which was the right hand man of carl Grissom, who at the time was the most powerful crime boss in Gotham. now for an fyi jack napier has been thrown out a couple a couple times and to be honest with you the true origins and the true name of the joker is really unknown so it works for the storyline so they went with it and don't get me wrong if you do your research jack napier will pop up Throw that out there, just for you nerds. Yeah, cause that's how we do. Now, through events involving Batman, Jack Napier was transformed into the psychotic Joker. But let's think about it. Jack Napier also created Batman. So in a sense, they created a symbiotic relationship. Now, the thing that made this Joker, this creation of Joker, what made him different is that they went back to the original roots of how the Joker was, the way he came, the way he killed through, you know, like, smell my, my flower, poison gas, people dying with their faces, with a, with a smile locked on their faces, these type of things. He went back to it because now, in our generation, in 1989, we're starting to push, we're pushing the edge of what is PG-13 rated R? What can we actually say? Let's do this and what shock value can we bring? So ultimately, this does transform the Joker into a more psychotic and more violent version. Now, I will say this. This Joker was a gangster. Jack Napier was a gangster. Okay, not the old school gangsters, but he was a gangster, kind of like mob boss style, in which he had a flaw. His fatal flaw was that he was a very arrogant individual. Even through his psychosis, his insanity, he was still arrogant. He wanted to go after Vicky Vale. He wanted, he, wanted, he wanted her, the lust. He, he lusted after this person. I.e., he had, what's the word I want to use? He was greedy. He had a, a thirst for power. These are our flaws. These are, these are, uh, these are all flaws. Yes, people, this is live. I am doing this one take. Hey, this is how we do it. You get it like you get it. Those are flaws. But that made that Joker, however crazy psychotic, made him human and susceptible. Now, with that fact that he was susceptible to human emotion could give Batman himself maybe a false sense of superiority. 
And of course, there was some comedy in that in that movie, but we won't get into that. Now, whether it was a sincere form of fear, perhaps, or respect that he was giving Batman, it still was a human attribute. And of course, we know us humans are flawed, and therefore, those are considered weaknesses. So, although he was psychotic, crazy, very violent, he was also flawed. And as I transform us to the next Joker, you will understand how Heath Ledger's Joker totally changed the Joker personification completely. The relationship between the Joker and Batman has always been one of an arch enemy. But as we start transforming through the culture, we come to find out that, and they kind of stretch it a little bit, but we come to find out that in Jack Napier's, AKA Jack Nicholson, AKA Joker of 1989, he in fact killed Bruce Wayne, AKA Batman slash Dark Knight, killed his parents, which sent, I wouldn't say uh, Bruce Wayne spiraling, but sent him to where he needed to find retribution and transformed him into who we know, who we now know as the Dark Knight, AKA Batman. In such, Batman knocks the Joker or Jack Napier into a vat of chemicals, transforming him into the Joker. What we've created here is a symbiotic relationship. We just didn't realize that the end justified the means of how these two came to be. Now, for those who don't know what a symbiotic relationship is, it is a closer relationship between two species in which at least one species benefits. For the other species, the relationship may be positive, negative, or neutral. Now, are they both benefiting from the symbiotic relationship? I think I can say yes. And as we move to the Dark Knight Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, I'm going to explain that. But let me ask you one question. Are you ready? Are you truly ready? I've brought you so far to this journey. But I just want to know, are you ready? Because if not, you're going to get left behind. Let's go. To truly learn a person or a culture, a character, sometimes you must embody or immerse yourself into that culture or person. Stepping up, you know, step into their shoes, walk a mile in their shoes. Heath Ledger, who is widely considered the best Joker he did that he immersed himself into what this character he he wore the makeup he wrote ledgers and, and, and diaries he became the Joker to his detriment because he did commit suicide and one of the only if not the only actor to posthumously be awarded an Oscar playing a cartoon character or a comic book character. It's crazy, but I think that's why this Joker probably was one of the best Jokers ever because he took it to the next level. So let's talk about the Dark Knight Joker. What makes him different? Well, 
as we stated, the dichotomy between Cesar Romero and Jack Nicholson, both of those guys took the role and made their own. But each one of those jokers had human attributes, meaning they had qualities that could make them susceptible to uh, weakness. Whereas this Joker, he did not. He didn't have all those things. So Heath Ledger took those flaws and, and got away from it. This Joker was an anarchist. Now in The Dark Knight, the Joker makes this statement as a representation of who he believes people truly are. He says, their morals, their code, it's, it's a bad joke. Dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world will allow them to be. You see, I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, these civilized people, they all eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. And I know that's not the great or the greatest imitation of Joker, but I like it. I hope you liked it too. We'll keep working on it. But it's also explained because it seemed that Batman or the Dark Knight could not conceptualize this man. Alfred, who is probably a, he's, he's a wise guy. He's, he's a pretty wise guy. He, he, he knows some things. He says, some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Every Joker throughout the evolution has displayed some form of behalf. This Joker never did. As a matter of fact, it seemed when the Cape Crusader had the upper hand, per se, and commenced to open the can of whoop-ass the Joker, there wasn't any fear. As a matter of fact, Batman's anger was more fueled to the Joker with him saying, once again, creating this symbiotic relationship. You just couldn't let me go, could you? This is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. You truly are incorruptible, aren't you? You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. And I won't kill you because you're just too much fun. I think you and I are destined to do this forever. The same way that Tim Burton's Joker and Batman created a symbiotic relationship through the Joker killing Batman family, or Bruce Wayne's family, in the same manner these two have been linked. So, with that being said, I hope that makes a little bit of sense, and maybe I kind of over-dramatized that. But, as I stated, it goes with the culture. Our culture now is probably seeing more violence and death through war and the joker even says it in one of his monologues that people are no longer phased by death of soldiers by people getting killed in school but if you say you're gonna blow up one tiny hospital everybody loses their mind so this is why i say that this joker has pushed the edge because we as a people are more desensitized to violence death and danger so, yeah, he's actually embodying our culture. So, therefore, I say he is probably, nah, that. 
he is definitely one of the better versions of the Joker. I said I would never say one is better than the other, but his version is definitely better because he embraces our culture. And if you really look at it and understand the things that we're going through today, you will see that that Joker is, that's our dark side. That's who we are. And that's what he meant when he said, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Now, finally, let's get down to the last one. Jared Leto's Joker. Oh, yes. He's gonna be awesome. As much as I appreciate Heath Ledger's Joker, by far, Jared Leto's Joker is my favorite. I'm going to tell you right now, he is the most unappreciated, underrated of all Jokers. Critics try to find reasons to hate this Joker. They even made it so that he was insignificant in Suicide Squad. The question is, why? I truly don't know, but I would suspect this version of the Joker is more in line with our hip-hop culture. And this is why I've, I've been stating throughout this anthology that each Joker meets the time period. And hip-hop is big right now. We see hip-hop in commercials. We see hip-hop in the movies. We see hip-hop overseas. It is big. And one of the biggest personifications of hip-hop is gangsterdom. Not, not the gangster like, like Jack Napier slash Jack Nicholson, but the gangster like Scarface. Everybody remembers Scarface. Scarface was a hometown hero, maybe. He was a rags to riches story. Not saying that his business was legitimate, somewhat controversial and illegal. But still, this is the this is what a lot of our youth, not necessarily today, but this is what they embrace. The gangster style, the toughness. Once again, we are in a period, a time period of desensitization. We're desensitized. But people understand that purple Lamborghini. They understand that Rick Roth purple Lamborghini. They understand the strip clubs because this Joker is more of that type of gangster. He's also now embodying human emotions that the other three Jokers did not have. And this human emotion is love. We all need a little bit of love. Harlequin was his woman. Now, um, I guess that's more of a soliloquy of me saying why I feel that this is a very decent Joker. But I would say one of the reasons why critics do not like this Joker is because they hate hip hop. They hate this culture. They say that hip hop is still a detriment to our youth. These are probably the same crusty assholes who still say the black guy should die in the very beginning of the movie. The black guy's not gonna die in the very beginning of the movie because when shit breaks down, this motherfucker runs. Now, he runs away and he doesn't fall. So now, all of which I just said, stereotype, stereotypical. And that's why I feel that critics do not like this joke. His role in this in, in, in this movie, Suicide Squad, was not a dominant role. It, he was not the main focus. So therefore, why should we concentrate on the Joker? But he came in. He came in at the right time to keep the movie's balance, keep it moving forward. So no, we did not get to know this Joker. We did not get to know him. 
But this version of the Joker was suited more so, like I said, for organized crime. He did appreciate anarchy and chaos, such as the Heath Ledger's Joker. This Joker literally wears his character traits, his tattoos, proclaiming everything from the range on his forehead to <laughs> his chest. Look at every inch of a drug lord. This is this is what our culture has become. And no matter what you want to say, almost every other gangster style movie has something to do with cartel drugs. Believe it or not, it's in your face, people. Take it or leave it. Eh, it is what it is. Now, to the Joker, violence is a symphony. It always has been a symphony. All the Jokers believed in that. Now, take it from Wesley Bain's article, A Brief History of Joker from Adam West Suicide Squad. Jared Leto's Joker was probably more relatable to our youth generation. Remember I told you we're gonna come right back to this again? The very first Joker, taken away from the comics that they stayed away from the violence, was more relatable to the youth at the time of the teenagers. Same thing for this one. This Joker is more relatable to the younger people in our society. Everything makes sense. So I'm hoping that if you follow me from the very beginning to now, it all makes sense. You can say what you want about Jared Little Joker. Okay, I like, he's my favorite one. Cause you know why? That motherfucker was gangster. That's why I said it like that. It was gangster. And I like the fact that he had a grill. You don't want no beef. You don't want no beef. That was respect. That was Don. That's what everybody loves them today. That's what they want. People want respect. You have to look at what they gave you. Did they do him wrong? More than likely they did when it came to the Joker movie. But it's, it would have been totally different because the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, to me, does not embody the ambivalence of an iconic character. Now you're probably saying, dude, you didn't even watch the movie. You're a freaking hypocrite. Call me what you want. Say what you will. I'm not going to watch that movie because I've tried. I've tried. Trust me. I ain't paid for it, but I tried. It just didn't feel right. And if something doesn't feel right, you just don't do it. Now, I'm not a good guy. I'm a bad guy. And I tell you right now, I'm a bad guy. And if you understand why I'm saying that, that means you listened to my last podcast, The Bad Guy Conversation. But if you didn't listen to that podcast, go back and listen to it. It'll make sense. Yeah, I'm the bad guy with good guy tendencies. But with that being said, I have taken you on a journey from 1949 all the way to 2020. 80 plus years of Joker anthology. And I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed giving it to you. <laughs> not so bad i enjoy presenting it to you and i hope you continue to come back to my podcast this is brian matthews and yes this is the end of this particular podcast and a confession of the ugly black man we're out